Hey, what's up everybody? My name's MJ and you're listening to the MTG in Quarantine podcast. As usual, I'd like to give a quick shout out to my local game store, Guardian Games. You can find Guardian Games on the web at ggportland.com. I'd also like to give a huge shout out and thank you to my awesome patrons who have gone and supported me and the show at patreon.com slash quarantine. So huge shout out and thank you to Mr. Big Benz and to Anomaly for supporting the show. If you would like to support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash quarantine for more information. Also, the MTG in Quarantine podcast has just hit 100 episodes, so in order to celebrate, I have announced a giveaway last week for your choice of one of the new Innistrad Midnight Hunt Commander decks. So if you're interested in finding out how you can win one of those decks, go on over to twitter.com slash quarantine, find the giveaway post, and make sure to like and retweet the post, as well as follow my account on Twitter. You can also earn a bonus entry if you listen to the podcast episode and answer the giveaway post with, a, with your answer to the prompt. Again, this promotion is only open until September 3rd, so make sure you get your entries in now. Alright, so on today is August the 24th, and Wizards of the Coast just released today their vision for Magic the Gathering in 2022. There's so much to talk about, so many new sets, so many supplemental products, just an overload of stuff. And I figured that if I was going to talk about any of this, that it wouldn't be fair to just have me talk about this. So I decided to bring an old friend back on to talk about that. I'm going to introduce LevDiv back to the show so we can go over this cool stuff. Welcome back. Hey there. How's the day been for you? Well, it's been eventful. That uh, that announcement post, wow, there's a lot to parse out. So we're going to have a very interesting conversation here. It's definitely going to be a ton of new stuff. Some stuff that's going to be very exciting, some stuff that's interesting, and some stuff with multi-kicker. But we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. All right, but before we get started, how about you tell the people where they can find your content on the internet? Of course. Now, as people know, my name is pretty much our... My creator's name is LevDev, but I also go under Twitter as PGD Hansen. I also do a YouTube channel called LevDev, but I do essentially the Brewing Labs and the Top Deck Thoughts. Essentially, Brewing Labs is mostly where I do MTG Arena deck techs and such. Top Deck Thoughts, mostly just taking current events, such as one that's happening today, and just give my quick two cents on it, essentially. I also stream on Twitch from time to time, streaming either just product openings or just uh, doing some janky deck tech on Arena. Yep, definitely sounds good. So... We were treated to a very interesting video this morning, uh, to say the least, about or from Wizards of the Coast revealing all the products or, you know, most of the products that we're going to expect to see in 2022. And obviously, since we're not done with 2021 yet, we've decided that we're not going to talk about the Innistrad sets that are coming out here in the next couple of months, because obviously those are still 2021, as well as some other things like the in-store play, which at the moment... Uh, don't necessarily seem all that relevant at at this point in time. So we're going to actually skip ahead to the main products. And I think that really gets us started with the newest Commander Collection. And now these are eight cards that are based on a single color. Wizards of the Coast has already done Commander Collection White and Commander Collection Green. And this year we are going to be receiving Commander Collection Black, featuring a whole bunch of really nice cards, including 
all new arts of Toxic Deluge, Phyrexian Arena, Ophiomancer, the OG uh, plant, yeah, yeah, the Magic Origins version of Liliana, and several other cards. So, Lev, what are your thoughts on the new Commander collection? Firstly, black is one of my favorite colors in Magic, so the fact that they're bringing this, really nice to see. And of course, we do have our classic Lutropes here, having the classic Soul Ring as well as Command Tower within this uh, color theme. That's kind of like the gimmick we've seen with the Commander Collection Green and such. They have that, but I do love all the reprints. The only one that I was kind of like uh, tilting my head a little bit sideways is Ghoul Call of Gisa. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad card. It's a great card, but it is kind of like one of those where I'm like, hmm. It's kind of like one of those kind of scenarios where you kind of want to think of better cards that could replace that, like maybe, I don't know, Vampiric Tutor, Demonic Tutor. Sure. Like maybe Necropotence. Like, you know, you can go on and on. But it's still nice to have that, and I bet you it's probably something related to Innistrad, but we're not going to get into that. But probably. still, there's some still saucy ones, like Tots of Deluge, classic Commander Staple. Reanimate, classic Commander Staple, having this new art that's very Vorphos flavored. Like, that's one thing I kind of noticed right off the bat with this. There's a very heavy emphasis of Vorphos with the art mm -hmm. on this. Even to the point that the Liliana Heretical Hero, the zombie token you get from it, is actually Josu Vest, the first person she actually turned to zombie. Yeah, <laughs> so, I I love that. It's, it's so cool to see that Wizards is really taking these amazing cards and then just planting them back in the magic storyline. I... I love everything that they're doing with this one. The Toxic Deluge being Yawgmoth's Death Cloud. That's really exactly. cool. The Phyrexian Arena kind of having that Shieldred-ish look over the arena as a Phyrexian Rager is fighting in the arena. The Reanimate mm -hmm. was saying gear. Yeah, and, and just in that Soul Ring, it definitely just feels evil. It feels like black. And the Command Tower that, again, kind of harkens back, I suppose, to some of the monoliths that we've seen in Threat Magic's history, some of the stuff from Dominaria, um, some of the stuff from Phyrexia, the Phyrexian Tower, for instance, and then just Ophiomancer in there for, for honestly, just for, for kicks and giggles. And, it, yeah, that that's a great card. This, this looks like a great Commander collection, and I think that this is definitely something that I w I'm going to consider picking up when it comes out. Likewise. But let's be frank. The reason they did Opio Man, so let's be honest for ourselves, it's just so that they, they have an excuse to finally make an official snake token since <laughs> everybody was talking about, oh, hey, yeah. this card never had a snake token. And it's like, okay, here's your snake token. Happy. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you know, if they could reprint uh, the Titania 5-3 elemental tokens that I was asking for for the longest time, Modern Horizons 2, they can <laughs> they can finally print the snake token for Opio Man. Exactly. Yep, so, Yeah. We don't know much more about when Commander Collection Black will be coming out, but it'll be coming out in foil and non-foil versions. I think if it's anything like last time, the non-foil version was anywhere from 40 to $60, so we'll have to see about this one, since there are some pretty spicy cards on here that have quite a bit of value. I mean, honestly, I think that the only ones outside of Soul Rain Command Tower that isn't isn't over $10, might be Ghoul Collar Gisa, maybe, but the other ones are well over 10 bucks a piece. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it I is, mean, Tossic Deluge is, I think, the most expensive one. Uh, it, it did get reprinted recently, so I think the I, Ophiomancer may actually be the most expensive one now because it hasn't re been reprinted in a while, but I might be wrong on that. You might be right on that. Hey, let me check, actually. Let's see. So, yeah, Ophiomancer is that. 
and then but yeah i i i do agree with you lev that i think ghoul caller geese is probably on here for innistrad just because we are going back there honestly we're not gonna be i mean i don't know how much we're gonna be seeing zombies in these sets we do know that one of the pre-cons for a midnight hunt again with a little bit callback to the beginning of the episode and my giveaway there if you're interested definitely check that out but again we don't know exactly how much zombies are going to play a role in this just yet until the spoilers are revealed so Right now, where we're sitting here on the 24th of August, it's it's very Innistrad-flavored as well, kind of as well as the uh, Liliana from the set as well. But, yeah, exactly. it's I'm I'm getting the idea it's Innistrad-flavored, and it's it's not a terrible card. So it, it just seems kind of like one of those, you know, we want to add another black card in here, but we're not going to add one of the really pushed, like, things like you said, Necropotence, Demonic Tutor, things like that. Let's try but to add a commander staple. Maybe. Overpriced, let's put it like Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Demonic Tutor, even you know, just the Mystery Booster version that I have that I pulled in the pack is 50 bucks. So, you, yeah, you kind of see exactly. how... Uh, I mean, yeah, you, you certainly, if they wanted to make this $100, they could. But, yeah, I, I think Gold Collar Geese is kind of that safe option where it's, it's a solid commander card just in the 99 as well as a commander and just, yeah, it just really fits. So... I'm I'm not going to complain. It looks like an awesome set of eight cars, and it's definitely something I'm going to consider picking up next year. Oh, I'm going to pick it up without a sweat. <laughs> <laughs> like I might budget out for the foil even because there's some staple cards in there. It's one of my favorite colors, and that soul ring. That soul ring is amazing. Oh, Plus, it also totally command, is. command tower having a Davriel flavor test is just a chef's kiss. <laughs> yep. All right, so we're going to move on from Commander Collection Black. We're going to. Again, touch on the Innistrad double feature. So basically, from the look of this, that it's going to be the two Innistrad sets that are going to be released this September and November, all smashed into one set with kind of an old horror B-movie vibe in one draftable set. Obviously, we yeah, don't know much about this set yet, but I think that it's going to be interesting, if nothing else, just because the packaging is all in like the noir or sorry not noir but again that b-movie type horror it's like thing classic yeah. universal horror movie kind of like stick like the classic like old school black and white horror movie films like the one where you have to do the dramatic voice in a strad double feature and then do the classic cliche laugh in the background with the eerie music that you always see on the halloween flicks ah! Yeah, an obligatory scream in there somehow. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, but one thing they did say, I will mention about this before we move on. Mm -hmm. They did mention that there is some special promos there that are going to be kind of like in the horror movie vibes with this. So, but that's pretty much it with this. It's just, hey, let's take two of our past sets and make it into a draft environment. Yep, because that's it does. Stick. Yeah, because it does say into one unique draft experience featuring special art treatment on every card. So, it's going to be the same set. But in a way, it's almost going to be like drafting a different set. So we'll see how that limited environment plays out, as well as if this is going to be some sort of in-store pre-release type thing where you can get pre-release packs, etc., etc. More information, exactly. I'm sure, will be coming soon. Nevertheless, go get your popcorn. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so we're going to be moving on to the meat of this topic, and we're going to start talking about the 2022 set releases. I believe these are yes. all standard legals, so... Um, strap in, we're gonna start on a long overdue trip to Kamigawa, Neon Dynasty. So, uh, Lev, this is something that the fans have been clamoring for a while now, which is kind of weird, given that I've, 
ever since I started playing Magic the Gathering, I've heard a lot of people really hate on the Kamigawa sets. I don't really understand exactly what that hate is. They're very insular for, you know, having a lot of very interesting mechanics, have a lot of really cool legendaries that don't see a lot of play necessarily, but I really, I personally think that the Kamigawa sets are probably better than a lot of people give them credit for. So it's kind of funny where a lot of people said they hated those sets. All of a sudden say, oh my God, Kamigawa, this looks so awesome. I've been waiting for this for years. Did you? You just said that you hated this set. So weird, weird things aside, we are going to be seeing a complete reimagining of Kamigawa. We're going to be going a thousand plus years in the future from the old feudal stage of Kamigawa to a much more modernistic future or present at least and it's just it's, cyberpunk ish it, yeah. in a sense it's so colorful i mean there I, i'm not sure what to expect from the set obviously because it's probably not going to share all that much in common with what we know as is kamigawa and the kamigawa block but again there's just something about this that's that's yelling at me to want more information something that's like i want to see where they go with this so what are your first thoughts on this set, and what do you want to see out of this set? So, well, just to kind of like go through kind of like what you were saying there, I think the reason why a lot of people were initially mad about Kamigawa, or at least were not a fan of it when it was around, mostly was actually because Standard. Because if I recall correctly, the time when Kamigawa released, this was the time when specifically it was either Mirrodin or Phyrexian. I can't remember exactly. I always get my sets messed up. But essentially... There was a very overpowered set, like, I think it was the Mirrodin block and such, and a lot of people were just getting annoyed at that standard. And then the thing is that Kamigawa was supposed to be kind of like the lower-powered set as such, and I think a lot of people were just not as hyped at that, even though Kamigawa did provide a lot of unique mechanics. Some of them that were really cool, like, that we have seen today even in recent Magic sets, such as being a heavy emphasis on legendary creatures and such, which was cool. The flip cards, well, some people are flipped about it. Oh, you Fun and your there. puns again. Yeah, you know what you were signing up for. <laughs> yeah, I I do, I do. But yeah, and just like some classic Commander Staple cards, like Kadama's Reach is just a classic Commander Staple. Like there was a Divining lot of this. Top to... Exactly. Um, yeah, there's a whole lot of value out of the Kamigawa rares there, but yeah, a lot of the other cards kind of get lost amongst the shuffle because they were pretty much, like I said, insular for their own own set. You don't have a lot of, or any arcane spells or splicing of that type outside of this block. So a lot of the cards, a lot of the legendaries, especially which had effects that worked really well within that block and within those sets don't necessarily work well outside of those settings. So I think that's definitely the part of the reason why Kamigawa in EDH has not really taken off. Exactly. Now, as for my opinion on its current or at least its future iteration, I'm legit kind of excited because it is kind of one of those, this is our first time we've seen a plane. Like, granted, you can make the argument that Dominaria had went through a long period of history, like literally going through an ice age and such. But still, Dominaria kind of, for the most part, kept its chromatic resonance of what it is as a plane, essentially. Kanagawa, we are kind of like getting a whole new kind of like futuristic uh, look from it. And it's going to be very fascinating to see. Like, it's very colorful. I'm kind of curious to see kind of like all kind of like the Kanagawa lore staples and kind of like their modern reinterpretations of it within this aesthetic. Plus, also in that promo art that uh, I'm seeing in the article... That's literally an Origami Tanuki on that Cyber Ninja Soldier. Yes. 
sign me up. Yes. 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 If there's, like, more lighthearted stuff like that and even some really just, like, cool, futuristic interpretation of stuff, I'm legit curious to see how they do the world design here, so I'm hyped. Mm-hmm. So, again, we're leaving that feudal system behind. So the samurai, the bushido mechanics, a lot of the instant arcane splicing stuff. The three of the four Kodamas, for instance, are, were in the old set. I guess I'm just curious to know if we're still going to get samurai in this set in some form, in, in, in a different form that we did in the original Kamigawa block, where they were just all over the place. Interesting. Like, it's going to be interesting they're definitely probably bring back like probably one of the nostalgic mechanics that can be interpreted within a modern sense like uh well they did say that the planeswalker for one of the sets literally a cyber ninja so that could just give us a hunch that ninjutsu is coming back if probably. that's probably a hunch yeah obviously but for the other ones <laughs> They're probably just going to do, like, a technological upgrade to it. Like, maybe arcane spells is, like, hacking spells. Like, mm -hmm. maybe stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah, because we've seen a lot more interest in ninjas since Yuriko got released a few years ago. So ninjas seems like the perfect kind of marriage of theme, flavor, and player interest in this case. Exactly. Now, we've also heard that apparently the emperor of this new Kamigawa is a character we've seen before, and I'm not sure about you, Lev, but I I don't know why this keeps happening to me, but for some reason, the only person, play or thing who, uh, who I can really think of ends up being Nikki B, and I'm not really sure if that works, but I you just, have, I a, think it's actually I just have a be... feeling that it's just going to kind of be that way and kind of redo the last two years, which, you know, is not decent but whatever what do you think you know who i think it's gonna be it's gonna be sakashima <laughs> yeah already taken over commander legends and uh every cdh table near you too the only other thing i could think that can do is maybe the twist here is maybe the emperor is like uh maybe as Ferenzian sleeper agent, but I don't think they're going to go down that route. I think it's going to be kind of like one of those classic characters that it's either that, if we go with the Nicol Bolas route, it's probably like a Nicol Bolas, like, AI. I bet you they're going to go that route. Like, maybe Nicol Bolas had got someone to do, like, an artificial intelligence of his conscious or some shtick like that if they I, go the Nicol Bolas route. Yeah, I, I've also seen Tezzeret show up in some of these rumors. Not really sure if I'm going to buy that, given his involvement in the current Boom Studios comic, but... Again, right. we don't necessarily know he is a matter. He is a master of artificing, and you know, given the fact that Kamigawa seems to be in this future where there's all sorts of weird, interesting inventions, at least that we can tell, that's not necessarily outside the realm of possibility. So we'll see. The only else, the other guess I would put before we move on, there's a slim chance it might be Tamio, but I really, really doubt it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really don't feel like she would want all that kind of power, especially after we read that arc from, from the last Innistrad block. I mean, personally, I don't think that Tom, Tamiyo is really interested in leadership in that way, more in like a researching way. But again, what do we know? We're going to just have to wait and see when Kamigawa Neon Dynasty comes out in Q1 2022 for our enjoyment. So probably around January, which is usually the uh, release slate for the new sets. Exactly. All right, we're going to be moving on from Kamigawa 
or the streets of Kamigawa to the mean streets of New Kapena. At least I think <laughs> I pronounced that correctly. I'm not sure. I think that's the proper pronunciation. Okay. Um, I, 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 I'm sorry. It still seems like New Jersey to me. But um, <laughs> anyway, so we're going to be moving from kind of an interesting retake on Kamigawa to a new three-color, I, I, I guess, three-color set here based on demon crime families. And unfortunately, the first thing I thought of when I heard this was, so it's going to be like Tarkir just without the dragons, just without the, the coolest part of the Tarkir bit, right? So Actually, uh, beyond that, we're going to be apparently seeing a city with special significance to a character we've already seen, Planeswalker Elspeth, a city built by angels, now run by three colored demon crime families. So what's your take on this one? Here's the thing. I originally thought it was going to be wedges, like cons and such. I thought that was going to be the case, but... I think this is actually going to be a shard set because the thing that makes me think it's going to be shards is because I forgot about this, but technically a courier was our last wedge set. Like it had Bardu, it had teamer and such. So I think this is actually going to be shards because one theory that's been going around and it actually makes a lot of sense. This is a set where you can actually make print the shard triumphs because we already got the Khan Triumphs, but we don't have the Shard Triumphs. We don't have the Grixis Triumph. We don't have the uh, Jun Triumph, etc., etc. So I think this is free colors in the sense that it's actually going to be Shard Demon Gains. Or, not Demon, uh, yeah, Demon Gains or Demon Crime Families, essentially. Plus, also, look, I am a sucker for Noir, okay? So, yeah. I'm really interested to see their interpretation with this. I'm a little bit curious to see how Elspeth is in fall because I thought a majority of her time was within Pharos, so it's going to be interesting how she relates to essentially demon-based Chicago, but uh, we'll wait and see. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure what to make out of this set. It seems very different for what Magic usually does. I mean, we've obviously had crime involved in the story before but not ne i guess not necessarily this blatant and this powerful so i think we're we're gonna have to just wait and find out exactly what happens when these demon gangsters decide to throw down in the second quarter of 2022 yep that's all we know and moving on to Q3, we're going to be returning to a familiar plane, this time probably a little bit more familiar than the other two. We're going to be returning to Dominaria. And, uh, at least according to the article on the Mothership, it's the perfect place to kick off our 30th anniversary celebration, end quote. So, Makes honestly, sense. we last saw Dominaria a couple years ago with the return to Dominaria, and we technically saw the return of the weather, like at least the ship, and the defeat, some or somewhat defeat of the cabal, for at least for the time being. So, I guess this makes me wonder what's next on Dominaria. Where are we going? What characters are we going to see? And what's the storyline going to be? Especially given what set comes after. But we'll get to that in a minute. I mean. A lot of theories have been already been speculating. Like, the one that people have been wondering is if this is going to be another set that's going to be a little bit teaser of the Phyrexian shtick that we got from, essentially, the last year set, uh, Kaldheim, with foreign clats and such. So people are wondering if either this or any of the previous sets are going to be teasing a little bit more. But one thing I think it's going to be right off the bat, 
I think this is going to be a either a starting point for a new kind of like series of lore. Or from the time that I think this is going to be coming out, this might be coming out around the same-ish time that a core set would usually come out. I'm not sure. Third quarter 2022, that's usually either late July, early. I think you're right. Yeah, Q3 is typically where the core sets would drop. So, yeah, I'm wondering if this is going to be a case where we're definitely going to get all the Dominaria thematics and such. Maybe some of the returning mechanics, but I'm wondering if it's more going to be a little bit powered down just to accommodate for new players. Because it's like, hey, welcome to Dominaria. Here's the basic chick. Here's the basic lore. Oh, and by the way, we're going to go to this new one, which we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, yeah, just basically give people the basic premise of here's Dominaria at its current state. Here's a few side stories. Maybe we'll start up a big story. It's definitely going to be interesting, even like in the main Mothership article, it's kind of like, what is this big artifact thing? Is this going to be related and such? <laughs> sure. And we already know quite a few characters who have either been on Dominaria or are still on Dominaria. Again, I'm going to be calling out Teferi here for, for one. And mm-hmm. now that we've seen them in the culmination of the whole Nicol Bolas arc with War of the Spark... Where have some of those other planeswalkers gone to after that all ended? Obviously, some of them have been followed in the comics and the book series, et cetera, et cetera, in other sets. But um, we haven't really seen a lot of some of the characters from Dominaria return. And you never know where Chandra is going to pop up again. So um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see where some of these characters fall especially since we're going to be moving on to Q4 and talking about what I'm really excited about, the Brothers War. So this is going to be Q4. This is going to be effectively kind of turning back the clock basically to the beginning of the game to the war between Urza and his brother Mishra and Mm -hmm. the whole conflict that effectively shaped what was originally Dominia on the cards and then quickly eroded to Dominaria and effectively set forth a lot, or basically all of the Magic the Gathering story as we know it. And from what I heard from when I was listening to the showcase and such, what they're going to do with this one, since we kind of know the basic premise of what happened during the Brothers lore, at least the basic lore stick, they are going to actually use this to look at different lenses, like, you know, people who are, like, either participants of the war or, you know, people who are for lack of the better term, in the sidelines of the war and such. So it's going to be kind of like interesting, kind of like from a lore perspective, how they approach that. Yeah, and something interesting that I, I only thought about this morning after I heard about this set being revealed was that we did actually get one of Urza's war machines in Modern Horizons 2, which does make sense that that card dropped just a couple months ago before this reveal kind of as a teaser in there. It, it, it didn't really fit in with any of the other things the set was necessarily trying to do, but it definitely seems to fit in now that we have this concept here. So not only are we probably going to see a new Urza card, a new Mishra card, but this also gives us an opportunity to start seeing some of the characters that we have never actually had an official card for. Again, I'm going to be calling Ashnod and Thanos here as two examples of characters who have really been involved in the lore, have been quoted on cards and have possessions, but have only actually seen cards in the Vanguard series. So what are your thoughts on some of the characters we may see for the first time, or conversely, some of the characters we may be seeing for the second or third time, just in new ways? I mean, really the question I would have here with one of the returning characters is, are they going to make Urza a character in this, or are they going to make him a planeswalker in this? That's fair. That 
is the thing I'm just curious about. We're definitely going to get a Mishra card. That's a no-brainer. But it's going to be kind of, like, interesting to see... Like, we're definitely going to get some of the classic uh, shout-outs to characters. I would be very surprised if they don't have that opportunity, like the ones you mentioned. But I'm also curious to see if they're going to try to introduce some new kind of, like, side characters to introduce new side stories and such. Like, I'm very curious about that. Like, it's definitely... They're going to co cover the staple cards. They're going to cover the staple characters of the lore. But it will be interesting to see if we can get more elaboration on characters that, as you mentioned we didn't really have an official card with, like Ashnod and stuff like that. So I'm not, like, well-versed in the Brothers War as many of my older compatriots within this hobby, but I know enough of it to know that this is pretty huge. And, uh, well, we're going to see some robots fight. And we're also, there's a, I would say about a 60 to 75% chance that this is going to be an artifact-centric set. I would be very surprised mm -hmm. if it wasn't. Yeah, it does say we'll see a plane spanning conflict escalate with artifacts, giant mechs, and beyond, end quote. So exactly. I yeah, I I do agree. We're we're gonna be seeing a whole lot of artifacts. I guess I'm curious, since the Phyrexians technically were involved in this war, at least from for from a certain perspective, I wonder if that's also if we're gonna also see potentially a new Yogmoth card or at least something related to Yogmoth in the set. I don't know. I would be really surprised if they don't give a callback card. I could even see them doing something where they introduce, like, a new plot thread in this, where it's going to be related to something that's going to be happening within the current story. Because if we're going to go back to Ferretzians inevitably and such, I could see them wanting to make sure they cover their traces. Like, okay, who are the Ferretzians? Why are they here? What happened? Here's how they originated. You know, like, stuff that essentially how the Ferretzians were involved with the Brothers War and just mentioned their little plot detail there essentially it also makes me wonder i guess now that i'm thinking about this is there a possibility that we could potentially have some sort of time travel plot here where we're returning to the brothers war out of something that happens in dominaria united where we return to dominaria past potentially with some of the existing characters then swept up in the conflict who knows exactly or if they want to go really cheeky Maybe have, like, Ferexians wanting to try to go back to the Brothers War and try to change fate and such. Like, go old, old school Terminator on this. <laughs> yeah, or, or I, yeah, the first thing I think of is uh, Star Trek First Contact when, when I think of that. Just, you know, going back to the very beginning, trying to change history for, for your own gain. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, again, I'm, I'm not pretending to know we're not going to be seeing this for over another year, but it's just kind of fun to speculate about this because this is something that I would like to learn more about as a very new player relatively to Magic the Gathering. I know enough about it like you do, Lev, but I want to really see them flesh this out, especially since you kind of have giant Cathodions on this card, you and that, that card slaps. <laughs> you have mechs. I mean, it's going to be fun to play with mechs in standard, but that's just me. <laughs> Reprint Ornithopter. <laughs> I mean, Cathodian. <laughs> All right. Watch. It's going to be like a Ornithopter vehicle or some shtick like that. <laughs> Strictly better Ornithopter? Sure. Maybe. All right. <laughs> so we're going to be moving on from a very serious mech set to a very silly unset. We're talking about Unfinity. This is going to be yes. a brand new unset, space-themed. It's got the weirdest yet the coolest 
art. If you if you want to take a look at this, head on over to the Mothership, go into the news section, and find the articles on what happened Magic Showcase 2021 from today, August 24th. And you're going to see this awesome piece of art, which is all sorts of cool callbacks to characters from throughout the multiverse, as well as a whole lot of new interesting pieces here. I see a very young Nicol Bolas here. I see kind of a really happy-looking Johnny, a bunch of goblins, a spaceship in the background, Teferi's on there somewhere with his weird bullseye. <laughs> yep. And, just, and, and a whole bunch of really really cool stuff so again oh, we all and also absent spear is in here but uh, let's see if you can try to find it well, and fibblethip is in here too and exactly of course <laughs> of course so yeah again we've seen a couple of unsets as well as the most recent one a couple years ago and people love these sets we all love our silver bordered sets and i am really excited to see how this set turns out because we're also going apparently going to be getting full art basic lands and shock lands in the science fiction theme out of this so it's not just going to be a set that's going to be just ha ha it's an unset there's going to be some really collectible stuff coming out of the set and i'm really excited for that i mean full art shocks like that's probably the most shocking news of the bunch yes i had to make that pun but pun aside as many people who probably know me from my Twitter account and all that stuff, unsets are my favorite sets ever. I love the silliness. I love the factor that Unstable was one of my favorite draft sets of all time. It's great that they're going back to this, and it seems like they're going top-down with a Space Carnival theme, as you mentioned before. And also, one thing that I just learned recently, apparently the staff from Loading Ready Run actually worked on the writing for the flavor tests in the mm -hmm. set. The creative writing in the set. Yeah, that, that's really cool. Yeah, so it's going to be a blast. Like, I can't wait to see the shenanigans. I can't wait to see the fun art. It'll be interesting to see what the full art land is. And also one nifty note that is in the article that caught me by surprise. Apparently, this is going to be a set that will have draft boosters, but also collector boosters, which... Interesting. Yeah, that's kind of like my first thought. I mean, it makes sense since they're having, like, uh, shock lands and full art lands. So it's like, hey, you can make sure you get one of each shock land or some shtick like that. Like, or get the extended art shock lands. So it made more sense when I thought about it. But it was definitely one of those that caught me off by surprise when I saw it. Though, the one argument I will say for it is there are some times where these unsets do have really good cube cards. So oh, maybe yeah. they're just trying to give multiple variations for people who want to, like, splice up their cube with, like, a, maybe the, whatever their showcase variation of popular uncard that's going to be a cube card here. Yep. I think I may have found the spear in the hands of Old Fogey. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Old Fogey. I, I've never had the chance to play with that card, but every time I've seen it resolved, it just it re it devolves into the funniest <laughs> the funniest interactions because no one understands what it does so you really have to read the oracle text and then you're still confused i really like old fogey and again the unsets i have i'm working on a new edh deck that is yet to be released here and i have a silver border card in there that i just can't bring myself to cut just because i want to have a silver border card in there just because nice. which one was it blast from the past Makes perfect sense. <laughs> yep, because it's got all the really funky mechanics. It's got madness, kicker, cycling, uh, buyback, and one other thing. And it's just, it's, it's not a powerful card, but I just love the fact that you can just throw it in any deck running red and it'll do something silly. Yeah, like, 
I love this. This was my favorite announcement of the whole showcase. They even brought Mark Rosewater in an astronaut, kind of like a cheesy uh, uh, astronaut outfit for this. So it's like, I can't wait till this comes out later in the ye next year. Yeah, I'm going to be drafting this set a crap ton. Is it fair to say that our wallets are going to hate us after this year or like halfway through this year next year? I mean, yeah, I think, let's be frank, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel sorry for the people who are going to be like, oh, I want the full place of the Shocklands, the Space Shocklands and such, and be like, have fun with that. <laughs> you might as well buy a Gaia's Cradle because it's going to be cheaper. Okay, yeah. maybe, okay, that might be a little bit of exaggeration. I know, but maybe I know, but, but, but you get the point. Is it? It's going to be a very, very exclusive product to one set. So yep. maybe not Guy's Cradle, but like maybe as maybe something like Sarah's Sanctum. Let's let's just go with that one. Something that's like three hundred dollars yeah, now. Definitely see Sarah's Sanctum analogy. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, sorry, the, I, Guy's Cradle has just exploded so much lately that I, I keep forgetting how much it's valued at now. Again, even just a couple years ago, it was three hundred bucks. Like, oh yeah, Guy's Cradle, and then oh wait, no, now it's twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> It's $1,200. Yeah, it's perfectly reasonable for this magic card. Okay, moving on. So <laughs> we just had Adventures in the Forgotten Realms come out. Just seems like it was just yesterday. Oh, wait, it was. Um, and we also had Commander Legends come out last year. So Wizards of the Coast decided, what if we just slam them together and you get Dungeons and Dragons Battle for Baldur's Gate, also Commander Legends. So again, I'm not really much into D&D, but it's really exciting to see more stuff from this setting and as well as getting more Commander Legends stuff. So it seems like a really interesting mishmash of two very popular things all brought into one set. It's kind of like the peanut butter and chocolate method. <laughs> Essentially just to make a, bring the peanut butter that was Commander Legends. People love that. Well, besides Hole Breacher. Take uh, uh, the Avengers in the Forgotten Realms. People like that as well. Put them together. We get this. It'll be interesting to see, like, I've known a lot of people that with Avengers in the Forgotten Realm, they were, like, being like, wait, why is this character not in it? Why is this character in it? I'm wondering if the case of why it wasn't they weren't in it is because they're going to be in this. <laughs> uh, that's certainly possible. I mean, there's more D&D lore, as I understand it, than there was room in one set. So we could certainly see a lot more of that here as well as maybe some returning characters. It is a Commander Legends set, after all, so you never know what you're going to see. Exactly. All just, right. Well, you know, just make sure to not make anything as silly as Hole Breacher, and we're fine. <laughs> yep. So both Infinity and Dungeons & Dragons drop Q2 2022. Now, moving on to third quarter of 2022 for the supplemental sets, we're going to be getting Double Masters 2022. And if you remember what Double Masters is, it's the two rares per pack set that has also created the $100 VIP boxes. So uh, the problem, there were definitely some problems with access to these cards, but it was a great reprint set. And it looks like they're going to be bringing it back for another go. Yeah, and... Yes, for many people who ask me, it has not missed me that they made the pun here that they have double masters in a set with two, two, two. I have uh -huh. not missed that pun, for the record. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, mostly with these sets, like, the only thing that I'm just really cautious about is I really hope they don't do the VIP thing again, because, yeah, that was a bit of a barrier. But still, 
nevertheless, Double Masters has been known for being a pretty valuable set, at the very least, like having good, valuable reprints. Also been a fun drafting format and such, general, because you have access to two rares or two mythics, etc., etc., two foils and such. And it looks like, at least from the Mothership article, they showed Animatu within Double Masters, so, hmm, that's kind of a cool reprint, not gonna lie. Plus, we might also get some nice, really cool other reprints and such, and it sounds like it's going to be a multicolored draft focus, so I'm excited. Just, you can do your collector boosters, but please do not do the $100 VIP boosters. Yeah, I, I never bought any of the Double Masters because I, I didn't want to shell out $100 for a VIP booster, not because I wasn't interested in the set. Again, the cost just seemed prohibitive for what you were getting. So we'll definitely have to see what cards are available in that set when it drops in Q3 2022. And speaking of uh, the second version of certain sets, we're going to, in Q4 2022, get Jumpstart 2022. Are you excited? I'm excited. It's a fun set. Like, it's a fun premise of a set. Like, it's always fun to do these. Like, anyone who never played Jumpstart, you can probably get a few packs from Walmart or LGS. I would recommend trying it at least once with a friend. It's always a fun little limited format theme. It's a nice way to introduce people to playing Magic and such. And it sounds like there's going to be some new packet themes here for this one, such as, like, Eldrazi is going to be a theme, which... What? Yes, Eldrazi is going to be a theme in this one. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I have no and, idea how that's going to scale with the other ones. We'll have to see. Yeah, and apparently one of them is going to be multi-headed, which I'm going to guess that's their way of saying Hydras, but eh, who knows. Yeah, cool but, Hydras, uh, maybe? They Yeah, cool Hydras. Anyway, they did also mention that the new Booster Fund theme for this one is apparently one of each card is going to have, like, a anime art into it, so take that as you will. Hmm, interesting. Especially since this isn't the kind of booster that would normally be subject to booster fun. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting. They did also mention that one of the new things is that there is going to be a one quote-unquote new card in each booster. So, it's going to be kind of like interesting to see what new cards are coming into the Jumpstart format. Because, as many people would tell you, Jumpstart provided a lot of uh, very powerful cards. <laughs> but to speak. <laughs> or Allosaurus Shepard, take your pick. Yeah, lo lots of reprints, lots of big, splashy cards, and cards that still have a lot of value right now, too. So, uh, But if nothing else, Jumpstart also does allow you to just have those playable, right-out-of-the-box, 40-card-limited decks. Yeah, and that's always a blast to do. So even if you're not doing it for the value, just do it for the fun, limited environment. It's good that even for new people who are, you are introducing to the game through this, this is a great introductory product. It's great that they're reiterating on this again. Thumbs up in my book. Sure, and you get so much replayability. I mean, if you just buy one box of Jumpstart, normally for, let's say it's $100. Normally mm -hmm. for $100, if you buy a draft booster box, you can draft with it once, maybe twice. Maybe if you're industrious, put it in a cube. I don't know. But typically when you've cracked those packs, you've cracked those packs and they're gone. But with Jumpstart... They're in the draft shaft. Yeah, but with, Je with Jumpstart, you can just play those over and over again. Hopefully you have enough packs to make it interesting. And you can really never run out of experiences with that same booster box, even long after you've cracked the packs. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so now that we've talked about the supplementary sets, let's talk about even more supplementary sets. We're talking about Universes Beyond. So I've talked about these these 
IPs a few times on the on the podcast episode. I had Cheapwave on here back in March, as well as Crate Commander a few months ago. And we're talking about universes beyond and exactly how these are going to fit into Magic the Gathering. Obviously, a lot of fans like myself are curious to know exactly where these IPs outside of Magic are going to take the game. We've seen some IPs outside Magic already. The Walking Dead, as problematic as that was. We've seen the My Little Pony inserts. We've seen Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. We've seen the, the Mecha Godzilla treatments of some of the Ikoria cards. And now we're going to actually see where the rubber hits the road. So we're talking Warhammer 40k. And that's not just the set, but that I mean, that basically is four commander decks and a whole lot of just mech stuff. And again, I, I've never played Warhammer 40k, so I don't pretend to know any of this. But for those who do play Warhammer, I'm sure they're going to be very excited to have their game come into Magic in such an easy-to-collect way as Commander Precons. Yeah, like, one of the discussions I've been hearing on Twitter, for, like, for the people who are... I'm not personally a Warhammer fan, but I've been hearing a lot of people having their own take of, like, they better have this one faction in the deck, or I hope that we can play as this one character and such. So there's definitely some excitement for this. It is definitely going to be interesting to see kind of, like, how the Commander decks are themed. It sounds like we are getting reprints in this, so it'll be interesting to see if we get some, like, valuable reprints within the war hammer kind of like uh art aesthetic like i don't know like maybe a smuttering type it would be kind of interesting stuff like that so you think it's gonna be more just like uh, instead of new to magic cards more of a treatment i guess it's definitely going to be a mishmash because it said so in the article here it's featuring new art new cards and powerful reprints so they really want to emphasize that the reprints are powerful so keep that in mind interesting but I, I think it's going to be mostly interesting to see how this gets wrapped up with Magic, given the fact that Warhammer does share some similarities, but also has some major differences from what we typically know as Magic the Gathering. So we'll have to see how that progresses later in 2022. Now, to the other one that I'm really excited about, we're going to, in 2023, Lord of the Rings is coming. Yes, you heard that right. Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle-Earth is going to be coming to Magic the Gathering and all, is also going to be modern legal. And historically, go too on Arena, so you can play this on Arena. This is—I'm not really sure what to think about this. I mean, I like Lord of the Rings, I like Magic. I guess I'm just not really sure how these two fit together. They seem completely different. A lot of things they're trying to do. It's—it's it's a very ambitious way to really get another IP into Magic. Obviously, Warhammer is going to be putting Commander decks in, but Lord of the Rings is going to have its own set. So is that necessarily going to be fitting within the canon timeline that we know for Magic, or is it going to be kind of Adventures in the Forgotten Realms where it's its own set? I, I don't know. I think they're just going to go with the Adventures in the Forgotten Realm approach, if I'm being legit honest with you. Like, it's going to be a fun, probably, draft set, especially for people who are into the Lord of the Rings franchise sure. and such, and just, you know, play their favorite characters and such, like Gandalf stuff, and et cetera, et cetera. Like, we can list off all the characters in Lord of the Rings and such. And I bet you, I bet you a sweet buck that they're going to do the same thing that they did with Adventures in the Forgotten Realms and put flavor text on the basic lands of just being token writing and such. I bet you that's going to be some flavor text in the set. <laughs> Probably. And I've also seen a call already online that Gollum needs to be one of those double-faced cards, which makes perfect oh, sense. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> 
And of course, uh, they yeah. have to make the run ring so powerful that it gets banned in modern in a few months. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess when I started at Magic a couple years ago, I never could have thought that we could end up seeing Gollum banned in multiple formats, but here we are. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, games and their history of cycles of iteration is just a fascinating process to see in general. Yep. But yeah, for me, I'm not the biggest Lord of the Rings fans, but I know a lot of people who are. They are in the similar thematics of like high fantasy to a basic extent. So there's definitely going to be a fan for this. It will introduce new people to the to the game. The only thing I'm a little bit like hmm about with this is just uh, the fact that this is modern legal. That's cool. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, I feel like if this is going to be like an introductory set for a lot of people to be like, oh, I want to play this because I want to play with Bilbo Baggins or I want to play with Gandalf. And then telling them, okay, now the other format you can play this card in besides Commander is Modern. And do we have to mention the power level of Modern at the moment? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, if it's Modern legal, it's going to be legal in the Eternal formats, too. Exactly. So It's kind of like one of those scenes where I understand why they didn't want to make this standard, because they really want to try to avoid doing that from now, because of the controversy with... Uh, some other previous iterations. I get that. But it is definitely kind of one of those scenes where I'm like, okay, they probably am thinking that a majority of people are either going to be playing Historic or Arena, and then there's going to be some people that will play this in Modern. But I'm curious about the Modern player's retention with the set, I guess, for lack of a better word. So is that more about you're wondering about the power, quote-unquote, power level of the cards, or just the fact that they're legal in Modern and not necessarily going to be played heavily in Modern? A little bit of both of them being honest okay yeah because just because cards are modern and histor or historic legal doesn't mean they're going to be bonkers good in that format but it definitely does bring up the questions of why this set is going to be modern legal whereas previous iterations of like, secret layer drops have been legal in the eternal formats but have not gotten so far as to get to modern so Mm -hmm. We'll have to see where that goes. But nevertheless, I'm curious. I always love seeing like magic get interpreted in new ways and such. So it'll be interesting to see how they do Magic the Gathering design within this uh, property. So I'm, I'll am i be having some fun seeing what they do. And Lord of the Rings definitely seems to fit in with the, the mythos of Magic the Gathering pretty well. With the exactly. with, with all the concepts that Magic has worked on over the years, Lord of the Rings fits in really well. It's just going to be... I guess weird to see how the two franchises are going to try to mesh together. I think that's the sticking point for me. Now the question is, do you think Gandalf's going to be a planeswalker in this set? Uh, all I know is that uh, Gandalf is probably going to end up being someone's commander eventually, no matter what. Just <laughs> you know, obviously, and yeah, it's obviously. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be wild when we return to this in 2023. Well, it's definitely a set that you shall not pass by. Uh, okay, that okay, was bad. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Get that out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of uh, getting out of here alive, we're moving on to Secret Lair. And if we haven't talked your ear off enough about new products, <laughs> we're going to be talking about the newest teeny bopper craze of the last two to three years that I've completely ignored, and that is Secret Lair Fortnite Edition. And we're going to be seeing a couple drops consisting of reprints like you've never seen them before. Though you're on your own to practice your dance moves, end quote. 
yeah, this one is just like, look, when I saw this, I'm not going to lie, I cringed, but, <laughs> I cringed, but, if there is one argument I will make for this, Fortnite is a very popular franchise. It also has a lot of younger audience that love the franchise, love kind of like the game aesthetic and all that stuff, they love the aesthetic, and there's two angles I'm looking at that. One, this is going to introduce a lot of new people to the game and such, and, you know, maybe they can bring their fun cards and such, like, Maybe we get a fun reprint in here so they can bring their love of the game to different formats. Okay. And also, one thing that actually... I can't remember who posted it on Twitter. I really want to remember their name. But this can also be a really good bonding experience product for, like, maybe the older Magic the Gathering player with their kids who play Fortnite and such. Like, they can be like, oh, here's your fun commander deck, but here's also this one card you can put in it that's from your favorite game and such. And I don't know. Maybe it's like... Okay, if this is a set where they reprint Guy's Cradle, I would laugh my head off. Oh, that that that'd be messed up. Um, I, I'm gonna go on the record saying that I am not interested in purchasing the Fortnite Secret Lair. I just don't care. But I think it won't be a problem as long as these cards in the Secret Lair drops are all reprints, just with a new skin on them. I think exactly. I think Wizards would be wise to avoid what happened with the mechanically unique Secret Lair walking dead cards which unfortunately caused a lot more controversy than should have probably happened and but for okay mind if i clarify something sure they did mention beforehand that there will be some of them in the next thing we're going to be talking about but uh they did mention that with the mechanically unique cards that they are going to reprint them within the imagine the gathering aesthetic within later sets like from six to eight months from now so it's not going to be as bad as the walking dead secret lair one but yeah just to let you know that is coming <laughs> interesting yeah because because we still haven't seen things like the secret like walking dead secret lair show up again as far as i know and or, funny or enough they? the one that they're actually testing the mechanically unique cards in is da, 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 da. street fighter which I still find that hilarious that they are like, okay, here's the current gaming trend secret lair. Now here's the nostalgic uh, gaming trend secret lair. Yeah, I again, I, I've never played Street Fighter, or if I have, it's been a long time. But this is definitely one of those retro gaming things that you, you're, you're gonna with Fortnite bringing in a lot of the newer, younger gamers. Street Fighter is gonna be bringing in a lot of the middle-aged gamers who grew up playing this this franchise. Exactly. Plus, also, as they mentioned in the article here, one of the cards is going to be Chun-Li, and one of her mechanics on her card is going to be Multi-Kicker, which, yeah, that's pretty much perfect flavor for the card. Yeah, that, that, that really is. And fortunately, it's already in the Magic Universe, so you're not actually really having to go all that far out to make it work. True. It's just kind of like one of those, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice nod. Like a It's like a mechanical pun nod, as the basic way to put it. And you would know, you're the master of puns. Exactly. <laughs> All right, now that we've reached the end of the new product, again, I'm, I'm not really going to get into MTG Arena because I, I don't play online. Uh, since we, now we've talked about all of these different sets that are going to be coming out next year, Lev, what are you most excited to see? I, I know that we've talked about all these cool things, like going to pick that up, going to pick that up. I really want to see where this goes. But what set really has you excited? And why? I mean, I think as many people who've been hearing me through this podcast, 
it's really just the unaffinity set. Like, yes, I know all the arguments about the unsets. I know the fact that after you get past the draft period, you get a lot of draft shaft. I know that. I know that most of the stuff that keep stays are just either cube cards or the basic lands slash, in this case, shock lands. I know that. But here's the thing. I love the fanatics of these sets. I love drafting them as much as I can because these are fun drafted sets. Even if they don't will have much financial value in the future, these are my favorite things. I love it when magic gets silly. This is probably the thing that I'm most hype about within a supplementary set. As for like the main sets in general, that cycle, of all the things, really the one I'm kind of surprisingly excited for is Streets of New Campana. Because like I said for I do like the noir aesthetic. I am kind of like curious to see kind of like what their approach is. And heck, even we see in the art that Obnitzlis is in this set. So yeah, it's going to be kind of like interesting to see how this chromatics is going to be going. So that's my personal uh, ones I'm excited for. What about you? Well, you already know what I'm interested. I'm really stoked for the Brothers War. I just want to see mechs just throw down and also just learn more about some of the characters from the very beginning of Magic's history. Obviously, again, since I'm a very new player, I love digging back in the lore, love reading some of the articles about about the, the olden days, reading the flavor text on a lot of the old cards, and getting a set that is basically like a jumpstart, pun intended, uh, for my understanding of the lore is going to be great, especially since I don't really know a whole lot about Urza and Mishra and the war. Well, not a lot of us do necessarily, unless we've really been in the game a long time. And it's just really going to be... read like those old classic books sure. that are really hard to get off eBay. Sure, sure. So it's going to be really interesting to see exactly what they do with this, especially if they do go with my harebrained time travel theory. Um, and we do end up revisiting this from a new lens too, which allows us to see the same things but also that happened in the story, but also allows wizards to try something new, maybe bring some new characters in, new storylines, maybe changing the past. Who knows? You could open up a whole realm of possibilities with this if you do decide to change the timeline at all. Mm-hmm. Which and I'm kind of like curious to see what the community reaction would be if they do do that approach. Uh, I don't know if I would necessarily like it because I, I think it's fine. The story, I, I kind of want the story to stay where it is, but it'd be interesting to see if if that did come out, what they could do with it. Makes sense. And, and secondly, I'm really excited to see Jumpstart come back. It's, it seems long overdue, and hopefully by that point, quarter four of 2022, we're really all going to be able to play together in stores. Hope Here's hoping, anyway. And we'll be able Fingers to enjoy... Cross. Let's hope we don't get, like, whatever the new variant is this time around. Yeah, and, and hopefully we'll all be able to, to draft and play, or sorry, not draft, but crack packs of Jumpstart 2022 and be able to play this awesome format. I have some packs lying around that I of the original that I need to crack at some point with my friends whenever the time comes. And I'm really looking forward to hopefully being able to do that again when Jumpstart 2022 drops in quarter four of 2022. All right. Well, I, we have spent the last hour going over the article, What Happened in Magic Showcase 2021 on the Magic Mothership. And again, if you want to learn anything more about these or just see what's going on, either check out the MTG Twitter community, which is always active on these sorts of things, or you can go on over to magic.wizards.com articles and find what happened in Magic Showcase 2021 on the news feed. 
All right, Lev, thank you so much for taking your time today to talk to me about these sets. There's just so much to talk about that I did not want to do this alone, and I think our conversation really sets the tone for how excited we are to see all these cool new sets and products coming out next year. Exactly. I'm excited. I'm definitely going to be doing some shenanigans with this of the janky variety or of the unvariety. We shall see. Uh -huh, just doing your typical thing. All right, where can people find your content on the internet again before we finish off? As stated before, my Twitter handle is PGD Hansen. I also have a YouTube and Twitch channel that's LevDev. Basically, I do just janky arena deck tech videos, which I am actually going to, after this, check up on the new arena update because we just had to wait like seven to eight hours for this update. <laughs> Better be worth it, right? Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And if you want to find me on the socials, you can find me on Twitter at, at MTG and Quarantine. You can also find the entire back catalog of the MTG and Quarantine podcast on the usual podcast outlets. That is Google, Apple, Spotify, Player FM, MTG Cast, CastBox, Podcast Addict, and a whole bunch of other podcast outlets. Also, I'd like to use this opportunity again to give a huge hearty thank you to my awesome patrons for supporting me over on patreon.com slash quarantine. So thank you, Mr. Big Benz and Anomaly, for supporting me and helping me make more awesome content. If you want to learn more about my Patreon, head on over to patreon.com slash quarantine for more information. Also, since I just hit the 100th episode of the MTG in Quarantine podcast, I am currently doing a giveaway for your choice of a new Innistrad Midnight Hunt Commander deck. Head on over to twitter.com slash quarantine, find the giveaway post, follow the instructions to be entered to win. And remember, that contest ends on September 3rd, so make sure to get your entry in now. And I want to thank you very much for listening to the MTG in Quarantine podcast. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.